Hello, everybody. And welcome to Sunday School. Before we get into this juicy convo, we want to give a content warning. In this episode, I tell the story of a relationship that shaped a lot of who I am and how I show up in relationships today. Part of this story that you're about to hear includes sexual assault. While the events that transpired are dark and a little gnarly, I have done the work to heal. And I made the intentional choice to share this story with all of you because it's so incredibly healing for me to talk about it. You, as the listener, depending on your lived experience, may have a completely different reaction in receiving the story. Believe me when I say I do not take these events lightly, and any levity that I do bring to retelling this story does not take away from the weight that this story holds. I'll also add that sometimes you don't know how something will affect you until it does. Or even if you're aware that something may be activating to listen to, it can hit in unexpected ways. So as you listen, take care of yourself and feel free to hit the pause button at any point. Timestamps are in the show notes for your reference. So if you'd prefer to skip over the more gnarly parts of the story, you can do so. Thank you so much for listening and we love you. Welcome to Sunday School, a conversation on pleasure, intimacy, connection, and the messiest yet most beautiful parts of life. From two friends who grew up in a conservative culture like Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm one of your hosts, Britt Pham, and I use she, they pronouns. And I'm your other host, Mac Harvey. I use she, her pronouns. And we started this conversation together and with you because we found that healing happens when you process in community. So by sharing our stories and our journeys, we hope that it will create some space for you and your expansion into the full, magical human being that you are and are becoming. And before we get into it, we're going to start like we always do on this podcast with a grounding breath. So wherever you are, however you may be listening, go ahead and get comfy in your seat or in your feet if you're standing. Take a moment to just like wiggle your body. Get all the little kinks out and the jitters. Release anything that you want to release in this moment. And take a deep inhale through your nose. And as you inhale, lift your shoulders up to your ears and just fill your body. And then exhale out your mouth to release your shoulders down. Let's do one more just like that into your belly, shoulders up. And release back down. One more wiggle, maybe a shimmy. And let's get into it. It's mm, a good one this week, you guys. <laughs> and I was looking at Brit while I took my deep breaths, and I hope you could feel the vibes I was sending to you. <laughs> oh, I did feel the vibes. Thanks, Bian. 
All right, let's get into our weekly updates. All right. I I feel like so much has happened, yet so little Mm. has happened. Yeah, a couple uh, monumental things. Britt and I survived COVID-19. We made it out the other side. How are you feeling, Britt, after 10 days of isolation? We... I was isolated for 10 days in my studio apartment in New York City, completely alone. (laughs) (laughs) And I presented with just like congestion, stuffy nose, not even like a cough, no headache, no fever. And then I was basically recovered by like day four and just had to deal with like the mental aspects of being in isolation. Watched a lot of TV and listened to a lot of music, laid on the floor and kind of just like lost my mind a little. I don't know if I told you this, but mm. I probably did because I've talked to you like multiple times a day, every day for the past <laughs> 10 days because we had COVID together. <laughs> but like kind of like last day, I had like a full on anxiety attack because the whole week I had just been like self-indulging and like numbing myself and just trying to get through quarantine. And I don't think I fully processed the like mental impact of getting this virus. I definitely just like my body needed to release some shit that day. And then um, I made myself work out, which actually felt really good. So it was a stressful time. Like getting COVID is a huge stressor. And like physiologically speaking, my body was like, okay, stress, we are not safe. And then I needed to complete that stress cycle. So hence the anxiety attack and the Mm -hmm. the exercise. How are you feeling? Yeah. Wow. I had uh, very similar symptoms to you. Um, In the beginning, I just had, it felt like a bad head cold. And then I, I think the fatigue like hit mm. me really hard. Some days I had some more energy, but in the beginning, especially I had like no motivation throughout the day to do anything, just resting a ton. And we, we watched movies together almost every night, which like I genuinely am going to miss that. <laughs> just like knowing that you are home and I can call you at any point during the yeah. day. <laughs> you can still call me anytime. I can probably still will. <laughs> I'm home but, a lot. Yeah, it, it w- I'm like, not that I would ever wish this upon you or anyone that I love, but it was so nice having someone yeah. to like go through this with. But yeah, once the symptoms went away, the mental aspect of it was really rough. Um, I wasn't able to work for those 10 days. So it was nice to kind of change it up and have a new routine and just kind of listen to my body and do what felt right. Yeah. Yeah. I will say like being in isolation for those 10 days reminded me a lot of the early days of COVID. And like, there's a lot of discourse out there around this. But for me, I did find quarantining to be honestly really good for me in a lot of ways, needing to have routine and needing to be like super strict with myself about my rituals and tuning into the things that make me feel good. And like, gaining that knowledge of the things that make me feel good was really, really valuable. Yeah. Um, but I'm also like really happy to, to be able to leave the house. Yeah, it was um, interesting coming out of the isolation. I know we talked about just like being so excited to get out. And I, f- I, felt, like a, I felt like a wild animal that's been like hibernating. Like I, I pictured like a, like a badger or something like coming out of a <laughs> hole in the ground and like you like poke your head out and you're like, is, is it safe? Can I come out? Just go back to regular life now. 
the day after my isolation ended, I got to hang out with a friend. At the end of the day, I was like exhausted. And then the next day was like <laughs> such a low point. Yeah. I was like anxious. I was tired. And now I'm feeling good. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, feeling really grateful, honestly. Like, we are super privileged and lucky to live in a country where there are three different vaccines available. Like, I took a walk around the Brooklyn Museum this weekend, and there was just a fucking bus outside of the museum that was like free COVID vaccinations, no appointments necessary. And I'm like, you know how many people around the world would kill for that? And there are people here in this country who are just like, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Like, fuck off. If you can't tell, this is a pro-vaccine, pro-mask <laughs> podcast. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're feeling really lucky and like grateful that it wasn't, our symptoms weren't worse. We recovered physically very well and we can like go back into the world. And I'm uh, also really grateful that I had a lot of time over the past week to just hit the dating app super hard. <laughs> so I have, I have updates. <laughs> Welcome to my dating life. It's chaotic. It's a little bit messy. We're here for it. So the one (laughs) thing that I was like, honestly, just like so destroyed over was that last week, my Tinder bae, who I hooked up with a few weeks ago, who I've told you all about, we're going to just call him Chicago because now there are multiple Tinder bays. So he was back in town and we had plans to meet up this week and and I got COVID and I thought he would be here for a little longer, but he left literally the day my isolation ended, which felt like the universe just giving me a big middle finger. Um, (laughs) And it was a real bummer, but we stayed in touch. We sexted a little, which was really nice and steamy. Mm. And um, we decided to stay in touch. And I feel really good about it. Like, I feel like I really manifested this life of having babes around the world. (laughs) And it's, this is the beginning of it. So like, take note for the history book. I I think in the past, I might have felt this like need to have a big conversation and be really clear on where this is going and like what we're doing here. But I'm really proud of myself for just being like, you know, I'm actually just really happy with this. And I think it's because I'm not coming at this from a place of scarcity, like, oh my God, I'm never going to find somebody again who's going to treat me this well or whatever. Like, no, I I have so many other options. So I think that has allowed me to just like be in whatever this thing is with Chicago Bay Mm -hmm. and like let it go where it needs to go. I think I'm also just like a little emotionally unavailable, if I'm being honest. Like I can't Mm -hmm. really engage with anybody who (laughs) – doesn't live out of town because then like there are all these expectations around like what this should be or what it could be and so when I'm like seeing people who are just also a little unavailable I think it helps me manage myself a little bit better nice you're like aware of that and where you're at and what emotional time you can give and I think that's perfect my second update is mm-hmm. I've also been speaking to somebody else I met on the apps we're gonna call them the kinky bear <laughs> I'm not going to explain anything beyond that. No explanation. (laughs) So I've been talking to them over the past week and like they honestly kept me company through a lot of isolation. Now you guys were talking a lot. A lot. Like they were sending really long messages and voice memos and video messages, which I was really nervous about at first, but actually I really enjoy because like 
I was in isolation and they've been super busy. So we actually haven't met yet. And I think it's allowed us to get to know each other a little bit better without having to do like an awkward phone call or FaceTime. I fucking hate it when people on the apps are like, we should FaceTime. I immediately ghost them. I'm like, what are you fucking psychopath? Like, I'm not going to FaceTime you. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) So it's been nice. They are very immersed in the kink world. I, I have been like adjacent to the kink world for quite some time, but I've never personally experienced a lot of things that I've been really interested in exploring kink wise. Mm-hmm. And so they've been very open with sharing their experiences and like kind of introducing me to the world. And I think that it'll be good. We'll see what happens physically yeah. when we meet up with the chemistries like. So stay tuned. Yes. Oh, I love it. Um, I have one update. Yes. Tell me. Um, In about a week, I go to Oregon to visit my helicopter boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've talked about him before. We dated back in college and have remained really good friends, kind of sexy partners whenever we cross paths. And I'm going to go visit him. And it's kind of just known, like, when I when we go, like, we're just going to fuck, like, a lot. <laughs> and so... We go fuck. Like, I have, like, a week until I get laid, and I'm really excited. <laughs> but he messaged me last night, and he... <laughs> He said, hey, I have like an idea for when you come. It's a little bit crazy though. So if you, if it's too much for you, I understand. And then just like didn't say anything. More. <laughs> I was like, well, fuck dude, like what? What are you saying? And then he messaged that he wants to go to a sex club in Portland and have sex in front of strangers. And like imme- when I read that, I like screamed a little bit and then I immediately called Brit. <laughs> I feel that I feel I like know exactly that feeling of like receiving a text and being like, ah, and you throw your phone across the bed and you're just like, what do I do? That's something I've never done before. That will be a new environment for me. I have had fantasies of having sex in public places or having sex in front of other people like, and I'm willing to try it. He's really the only person in my life right now that I would feel comfortable doing something like that with. So when in Oregon, you know, um, so <laughs> when in Oregon. I think when in Oregon. on t-shirts, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when at a Portland sex club, <laughs> um, but I, I was thinking last night and I, I journaled about it. I was like, okay, what do I need? in order for me to feel safe and comfortable to do something like this and actually like not be in my head the whole time and actually enjoy what's happening. I, I need like a conversation to happen. I want to establish a safe word. I want to establish both of our boundaries and what we're comfortable with. And so as long as he knows my boundaries, I think it's going to be a good time. God, dude, honestly, like I'm so stoked for you. And I really love how you immediately approached it as a question of what do I need to feel safe? Because I feel like when exploring anything new and especially in the sexual realm, boundaries are so important. And like we've talked about boundaries on the podcast before. When you feel safe is when you can really go 150% into exploring what feels good. And then when you don't have those structures, then you're always going to be thinking about 
other things and you're not going to be fully present and it's just not going to be a great experience. So I'm really excited for you and I'm really glad that you get to have this experience with someone that you know and that you trust. I feel like everyone, anyone listening to this podcast is going to be like, these people are kinky sluts. <laughs> and like, yes, but also... <laughs> we're freaks um yes but also like i feel like both of us are pretty in the beginning stages of exploring kinks and things that are beyond just like vanilla sex i mean honestly just exploring good sex yeah in our own lives and i used to feel a lot of pressure and shame around not being as experienced as i feel like i should be when I became single at the end of last year and I was like hitting the apps and kind of exploring what I felt safe doing digitally, a friend sort of brought up a conversation with me where she was like, are you sure that you want to be doing this? Are you just going to kind of going crazy because you're single now or is this really what you want to be doing? And I received that as her sort of judging me for not being as experienced as she was or Mm. not knowing what I was doing. And it just like triggered a lot of things for me that were not her fault at all. And we ended up having like a really beautiful conversation within our friendship about it. And I realized through that, I was like, wow, I, I think I feel like a lot of people view me as someone who's like really sexually experienced and like explorative because I love talking about sex so much. And I am so public about my own sex life. And so I feel like there's this expectation on me to be like really sexual, mm. but like I've had very few good personal sexual experiences. I mean, like y'all have heard about it. My first like fully embodied sexual experience was like four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> And so I think it's just like really cool when opportunities like this come up, be, like the Portland experience for you. What what an amazing set of circumstances. It's somebody that you know, that you trust, and you're able to talk about these boundaries and you can just go and like feel it out. I feel like I'm just going to welcome in all of that energy through you. <laughs> the beauty of healing conversations and community. <laughs> yes. I feel the exact same way. And I'm just like very grateful that I have an opportunity like this. I have someone that I can trust. And I think it'll open the gates to understanding what I need, finding my voice and telling partners what I need. So yeah, I feel super grateful and excited and horny. (laughs) (laughs) This week's topic is religion. We, neither of us were raised religious. We were both raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is, you know, heavy in the Mormons. Yeah. But my family was on one side, not spiritual at all. For the other side of my family, they're very spiritual. They are Buddhist. I'm a very spiritual person. I do believe in like a higher power that is made up of our collective energies, like the universe. I do believe in spirits. I do believe in karma, but I definitely adapt a lot of the things that I pick up from my family's culture to something that resonates with me. My personal belief is that spirituality is a mirror and whatever you believe in is a reflection of what is inside you and what you need to find for yourself. That's beautiful. I love that. I wasn't raised LDS. I wasn't really raised with any belief system or religion. Um, My mom 
left the Mormon church at a very young age, at like 18. I grew up with my mom having a little bit of a sour taste in her mouth when it came to the LDS religion because she was like very ostracized when she left the church. I got really into Hinduism and Buddhism at one point. I really resonated with that belief system and that like everything and everyone is connected. And um, I kind of love the like nature-based spiritual beliefs that this home and this earth that we have is like the one true thing mm-hmm. and that's what I worship um so I've never felt like I needed to believe in a higher power I just am very content like living my life and um seeing what comes of it in the end I just like the mystery of it I guess and so I've never really been a religious practicing person and um but I am super grateful of the freedoms that I had to explore yeah, yeah. To lay down some context for the conversation ahead, even though Mac and I, like, neither of us practice an organized religion nor were raised within that organized religion, religion impacts the culture around sex, period. And so what we're really here to do is sort of unpack the different ways it it does impact our culture. I mean... <laughs> I'm trying not to be too judgmental about it, but I'm also just like, it has fucked me up in a lot of ways. And I know it's fucked you up in a lot of ways. And mm. we found that it's really healing to be able to just unpack it together. And yeah. so like, that's the intention of this conversation. No judgment on anybody who practices an organized religion. Like you do you. I think whatever gets you through the day, through your life, we're down with that. Just like, mm. don't hurt other people, you know? <laughs> yeah, be nice. <laughs> we often think about the culture of sex as like a binary it's like it's either we didn't talk about it at all and then I had to go watch some extremely violent porn to figure it out right (laughs) or it was very well talked about it was super healthy and my parents are hippies and I know everything about sex Mm. and it actually isn't that binary at all because like it wasn't that sex wasn't talked about it was that sex was actually talked about a lot but it was talked about as a bad thing. For a lot of people like us who did hear that sex was a bad thing growing up, Mm -hmm. we knew that was whack. Like, I don't think at at any point in my life I was ever like, oh, yes, you're right. Sex is a bad thing. I was always pretty much like, this is whack. I'm pretty sure this is wrong. (laughs) Like, we we should be doing this differently. So like consciously, what we were more afraid about was like pregnancy and STIs, which is a whole other conversation about how sex education sucks. But I think regardless, the culture of sex negativity creates this like undercurrent of you are a bad person if anything bad happens to you when it comes to sex. Like I remember once in college, no, no, it was in high school actually. I had not had like penetrative sex yet with somebody but the my boyfriend at the time we had done oral sex and that was my first time that was my first time receiving oral sex from somebody Mm. and then a few weeks later I was in the middle of taking my AP exams and I had I don't know what to call them like lesions like something on my genitals that like Mm. I was like oh shit do I have herpes and it was so painful I couldn't hide it from my mom anymore so I told her I was like hey I think I need to go to the doctor Mm. I got tested everything came back negative I'm honestly certain I was just so stressed about my (laughs) AP finals that like my vulva was like no (laughs) (laughs) oh that's like the worst (laughs) 
But I remember just feeling like so ashamed of myself. Like, how could I let this happen? And I know like my mom didn't say anything explicit to me, but I got the sense that she was like disappointed in me. I think back to it and I'm like, God, like I didn't do anything wrong by all traditional, like, I don't know, societal standards. I was in a monogamous relationship with a man and he was my age and like we were just like exploring our bodies together and like nothing was wrong about that. I tell that story just to say that I think a sex negative culture affects you in so many ways, even though consciously you're like, no, this is whack and you try to unlearn it. It's still there. Definitely. I think something that was prominent in like my uh, growing up was that confusing, conflicting, like juxtaposition between it was like cool to have had sex or have Mm -hmm. done things. And I remember like fibbing a little bit and being like, oh yeah, like Mm. I'm given a blowjob, like no big deal. Dicks don't scare me, like whatever. (laughs) Those conflicting narratives of wanting to seem cool. Mm. And then, you know, if if word got out like, oh, Max given a blowjob. Oh, she's dirty. Like she's a freak. And it's just like, I lied about that. I haven't actually had a dick near my face that I'm scared to. (laughs) And I think that was really, it gave me a lot of just like conflicting emotions about it to this day. Like it feels like there's no winning. And I think what, what I feel like you're touching on a little bit here is how such an extreme main culture that puts shame on anything around sex creates another very strong counterculture of fighting back against that being like, no, it's not shameful. It's actually really cool. And like, Sometimes you just want to be in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like so many of my experiences were like, I was either so ashamed or past some lines that I wasn't comfortable with because I was like, no, I need to fight back. Like, this isn't shameful. This is fine. Mm -hmm. This is normal. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was too much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was a little older, like in college and I was living in New York City. I did a lot of things that I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do because I felt like I should have this experience or like I should do this thing. Some of them were actually like really traumatic and some of them were just like, oh man, that that fucking sucked. I probably shouldn't have done that. You know, what I think we're really getting at is on either end, there's a lot of should and there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of shame around how much or how little. But the fact of the matter is when it comes to sex and pleasure, there is no normal. Everyone's a little bit different. I feel like we're getting to a point in our healing where we're a little bit more tuned into that feeling of, yes, this is what I want to do. And I'm a little nervous about it, but I feel safe versus I feel unsafe. But I still feel like I need to do this. Exactly. It's been helpful to like tune into that in myself and watch you do it because I think it has created some space for me to be like, okay, I'm I'm normal. Like Max going (laughs) through this too. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's so amazing to have people going through a similar journey to you in their own ways. We're all living this crazy life together and just figuring out what we like and where we like to be touched and when we like to be touched. And it's uh, it's a really fun journey so far. And so finding this voice of mine and being able to say, hey, I need this or like, hey, do this better or I'm not really feeling it. I need this to happen 
is so empowering and it's so it's such a 180 for me because mm. with my sexual experiences I haven't had that voice and I've been afraid to speak up or haven't, you know, had the courage to do that. And so I love that part of this journey for both of us that like, I feel like you've found more of your voice and it's really cool. Thanks, man. I am still working on it as I know you are too. (laughs) We aren't experts. (laughs) We're just figuring it out. But one thing that I've felt like a lot of nervousness around has been asking my partners to just use a ton of lube. I tend to be really dry and I used to think it was something wrong with me. I'd be like, why am I like not more turned on or why am I not wetter? It likes to be very shameful. And I am realizing I just love using tons of lube. Like not just like once, like don't just swipe it on and stick it in. Like I need you to be (laughs) pouring lubricant on me throughout this whole process. And I think it's so hot and I've done it with myself. And I just think it's Mm. really hot when things are like really slimy and like, yeah, I don't know why I brought that up. I love This is why I brought it up. Okay. Okay. So finding (laughs) your sexual voice and being socialized as young woman, to focus on like the man's pleasure is something that came up in our DMs actually. And one person said that they grew up LDS and their mom was actually very valued women's pleasure and talking about it, which is so dope, but still there was this element for this person of like shame around just the body and how the body should look and who it was for. And I think that's a really interesting layer on top of this conversation. We also live in a body negative culture and there are a lot of shoulds around what you should look like and who it should be for. But generally, even if you're talking about desire and pleasure and what feels good, it's through the lens of like being for the male gaze. And Unpacking that is really complicated, honestly, because sometimes I think about it and I'm like, do I like being a sub because in the past I've always dated cis men and cis men tend to, the ones I've encountered tend to like to be more dominant. Like, do I like being more of a bottom because of the people I've been with and because I think that's what's attractive and it's what turns on the people that I'm attracted to? Mm. Or do I actually like being a bottom? Yeah. not sure yet. (laughs) I had a realization where I'm like, damn, I don't really know what I like. Like, I I think I like this stuff because it's what I grew up thinking I was supposed to like. I remember sexual encounters where I spent the entire time in my head thinking about how I looked Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for him. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, is is my butt arched up? in the right way is my my stomach sucked in like you know when they like bring your legs up towards your head I was like don't look at my stomach rolls you know I wasn't even feeling anything I I wasn't even like oh does this feel good to me once I started realizing that and I have had some sexual encounters with people that I feel comfortable with it's been better every time because you stop thinking like, oh, do I look sexy enough? Is is he into this? Like, does he think I look pretty right now? And instead of being like, does this even feel good? Do, yeah. I, do I think he looks good? Well, there's just so much to talk about when it comes to sex and religion. And I know that you've dated a Mormon. And yes. I think we should go to church on that. Whew, let's do it. Let's go to church. 
Yeah. Um, I have mentioned before in previous episodes that I, for about a year and a half, um, starting my senior year of high school, I dated a Mormon boy. That's just what we're going to call him. And Britt actually introduced us. She made us become friends um, the summer before our senior year. And then you moved to Texas. And I'm then, so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I blame you for everything. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, and then Mormon Boy and I, after Britt left, we were like, well, do we just continue being friends? Like we enjoy each other's company. We've become pretty close this last summer. And so we just continued hanging out and that kind of blossomed into a relationship, some young love. It was very, um, at the time it was what I thought was love. He was the first person I ever said, I love you too. Um, and at the time I meant it, not really knowing what it was, sweet, naive Mac. Um, and it, for the most part, he was a he was a very sweet boyfriend. Um, before him, I had had my heart broken by this cool guy, and so looking back, I was definitely like, "You are safe. You will not be dumping me." So <laughs> it was an I'm overcorrection gonna... in the worst way. <laughs> yes, I went with the safe bet. Um, if we were going by how I met your mother rules, I settled. He was reaching. <laughs> be honest about that i mean for sure <laughs> and so i felt very safe in that relationship and he was a friend first that kind of grew into something else which was really lovely um he was lds uh his his parents were you know they were teachers in the church and they were very involved and uh i was fine with that he was okay with me not being lds um once we started dating for a while it kind of turned into you know, he would bring up marriage every once in a while, and I would just kind of laugh it off and be like, oh, yeah. Mormons. <laughs> Those Mormon boys, they move fast. Um, <laughs> and, like, I remember him saying a couple times, like, oh, well, I mean, we'll have to get married in the temple. Like, I, I can't not get married in the temple. And so oh, that shit. means that I would need to become Even. part of the church because I they would not allow me into the temple if I wasn't practicing and so that, I know. Wait, sorry, that's so wild that he, he was like, we have to get married. Like, he was already talking about it in terms yeah. of your relationship. It wasn't even there like, oh, well, if I ever got married, I'd have to be in the yeah, temple. It was no, like, we was, are getting married. <laughs> yeah, it was always in terms of us. And it was just like, that was decided. And I kind of never delved into that conversation. Because, I mean, in my eyes, it was like, yes, I date you and I love you and I want to keep this going. But I have never really been one to think about like, yes marriage you yeah. know like I sometimes I'll have those thoughts of yeah I could marry this person yeah. um but anyway uh fun little tidbit about our uh relationship so the whole senior year that we were dating uh I had like just turned 18 he was 17 and that's relevant because he had a deal with his parents that if he didn't kiss it was specifically like kiss a girl before he turned 18 they would give him five thousand dollars and so that whole year that we were dating we started dating like beginning of senior year his birthday was in july so that whole school year later the next summer in july was when he turned 18 so we dated for like like just under a year like nine ten months before we ever kissed like we held hands uh eventually we got kind of we found some loopholes well he found some loopholes and was like well i can like 
you know, give you a hickey on your neck. And I'm like, okay, man, like, go for it. Sure. (laughs) Whatever you deem is okay. Um, Because at this point, I had done just about everything but have sex. Like, I had had oral sex. I have been, I had received oral sex. Yeah. um, All that other P and V sex. We should have a whole other conversation about what sex is. I think that's a super interesting conversation, but I digress. Penetrative P and the V sex I had not had. I was, you know, by my... Uh, standards. I was a virgin, quote unquote, which was more important at the time. That's a whole nother thing to talk about. But I had so many conversations. Yeah, so many. <laughs> you had uh, not yet made your sexual debut. <laughs> yes, I had not had the big coming out into my sexual uh, life. And so he always knew, like, without, he never wanted to know exactly what I had done and who I had done it with. But I told him, I was like, I've done everything but have penetrative sex and he was like okay I don't want to know any more about that that's your life then that's okay but I will not do any of that and he was very like strict like I will not have sex before marriage like I will not do anything um he's like I can't even kiss right now because he wanted that five thousand (laughs) dollars so that is just just like a whole lot of shit to unpack that we don't have to do here but wow well and I mean I definitely as it pertains to our conversation, um, this it, it it came out in our relationship that Mormon boy was addicted to porn. Mm. He opened up to me one night and he said, "Like I am so ashamed of this, and I need you to know because, like, if you it, it, like maybe you knowing and you not liking me looking at other women in porn videos will help me want to stop." So at the time, I was like. <laughs> I'm not really bothered by it, but like, of course, there's an unhealthy level to everything. Like, yes, you absolutely can be addicted to porn and that can be unhealthy. And I wasn't supportive of that. And I was like, anything I can do to help you, let me know. And he was like, I wish you were more mad about me watching porn. And I was like, I'm like, I do it at a healthy level. But like, of course, since he was struggling and it was something that had reached an unhealthy level, I was like very supportive. And I was like, anything I can do. And um, I like, oh my God, I just remembered this. This was like an unhidden memory. But he asked me one time when we were in college to send him naked photos. So he was like, so at least I could masturbate to those, to like photos of you instead of porn videos. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So I like, that was like my first time taking sexy photos. Oh, nice. And God, I hope he's deleted them since. I honestly have no idea. Yeah, it's always I would hope a so. Risk. Uh, but we're not going to think about that. Um, so yeah, a, there was a lot of, um, a, there was a big imbalance in the power dynamic when it came to our sexual life together. It was always up to him. And at the time I was just like, you know, I prided myself on being very kind and open-minded. And I was like, you know, I do not want to cross your boundaries. I like being with you. I like spending time with you. So Everything in that realm is up to you. And so I just kind of gave him the power. I, I let him have it because I was obviously way more open to doing things than he was. So I kind of went by his lead. So fast forward to the summer. We've graduated high school. We're still together. Lovey-dovey. And he turns 18 and we kiss for the first time. And he wanted to stick his tongue as far down my throat as he could just to see what that felt like. And like what? He was like a like kiss level long tongue. Like it was weird. 
Um, I mean, sometimes you want a long tongue, but not for that. <laughs> I know. It was like, yeah, that's great, but learn how to use it, please. And so we finally could make out and it was great. And we were so in love. And then we ended up going to the same college together. So we like make this big life change. We go to college and we didn't have really any friends down there. And I just wanted to make friends. I wanted to go drink at a party. And I was like, Mm. I know a person who is in a frat and they can get us alcohol and they can, will invite us to parties. And I remember him guilt tripping me on, you know, that you're not going to meet quality people at these parties (laughs) and made me feel like I was doing something so terrible and I was (sighs) ruining my life. And I was like, dude, we've been in college for like two months. A second. Yeah. (laughs) Let me get this out. (laughs) And so I didn't let it affect me too much. Like I continued to go party when I wanted to party. And if he didn't want to come, I still went. And um, anyway, so back to kind of our like sex life at the time or lack thereof. Um, It was always on his terms, like I said, and it was like, never will we have sex. Like never will we do this. And then one day he came to me and we were hanging out in his room and he said, he said, McKenna, I have prayed about this and I've done a lot of thinking and I have spoken to Jesus and I can touch your boobs now. <laughs> I love this. Don't worry. <laughs> what the fuck? I like, I vividly remember like the setting. He was like holding my hands and it was like this really beautiful <laughs> moment for him. And he's like, I can do that. And <laughs> I was like, a holy bitch. I was like, yeah, dude, get in there. <laughs> it's like, for sure, man, if you want to grab some tit, go for it. God, I'm like, okay, listen, first of all, I'm sure Jesus has way more important things to deal with than if you can touch a tit, okay? And yeah, I just can picture the conversation of like Jesus to Mormon boys, like, it's like, yes, go grab yourself some tit. It's okay. No one else though, just you. <laughs> go get yourself some titty. Amen. You go grab that titty. Oh my God. I, it's like, I'll remember that moment for the rest of my life. Cause I was just like, get in there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, and then I remember that night he's, it was like, it was so funny. It was like baby's first, you know, titty touch. Like he just like put both hands on my boobs and we just sat there and he was like, this feels nice. I oh like my God. <laughs> and he's like, can I, can I see them? And I was like, yeah, dude. And I just like lift up my shirt and he's like, wow, wow. They look really nice. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. I'm like, so I feel so awkward right now. It's so cringy. It's so cringy. And like at the time, you know, it was someone I trusted and I was like, my titties aren't a big deal. Like other dudes have been in there. Like the tits were not as big a deal for me, you know, at my sexual experience at the time. I was like, yeah, like touch, touch, touch some tit, please. And so I was excited about that. That was kind of like, we took our relationship to the next level. He sucked on my titties. Um, Wait, he sucked on them? Yeah. Oh, Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. We did like like everything tits wise. And it was so funny because it was always, I can do this to you now, or you can do this and not like, let's explore this together. You know, it was always like, this is okay now. We have talked earlier in this episode about the ways in which we as people who were socialized as young women were taught to see ourselves as objects to be desired by men. 
And so I think that has led to dating very mindlessly because if someone is there and they give me attention, I should feel so lucky. Let's Mm. see where this goes and let me just follow wherever he leads me. And I feel like even within the relationships, it's very mindless. Like, okay, sure. Let's do this because you say it's cool. And let's do this because you say it's okay now. Yeah. I mean, I think I've just recently started to unpack a lot of that, of of like the difference between be wanting to be wanted and like being horny. Like it I feel like if sex was a lot more of an acceptable thing and it was a lot more sex positive, I wouldn't have gotten myself into a lot of these situations just because I felt like my view on sex was like it's best viewed if you're in a monogamous relationship with that person whereas like if it was a maybe if it was a little more sex positive culture that I grew up in I could have just gone out and been like you know had the realization of oh I'm just horny Mm -hmm. and not gotten myself in this long drawn out relationship just because I wanted to be wanted yeah yeah that makes me think of Fleabag season one. <laughs> There's this scene where Fleabag is like sitting on the toilet and she's like, and essentially the monologue was along the lines of, it's not that I like sex. It's like, I like the feeling of being wanted, that feeling of someone wanting your body. Yep. And I I think about that all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm like, do I actually like sex or do I just like being wanted? And <laughs> I don't know. It changes day by day. <laughs> Definitely. Well, and I think that's something I want to bring, you know, with all the other uh, intention I'm bringing into any future relationships. That's something that's on my mind a lot is like, do I really like this person or am I just horny and I want to just like fuck their brains out and then never talk to them again? There's nothing wrong with either one of those things. But as I've said before with Chicago Bay, I'm like, I don't know anything about this person. I think I just like that he gives me attention and he's really cute and there's nothing wrong with that. And um, what I think I'm getting at here is that perhaps I have a praise kink. (laughs) Maybe it's just like, I just want to be praised and wanted and lavished upon. And that's a big turn off. <laughs> Definitely. Well, and, and it, like uh, relating back to the story, like I remember when he was like, I want to touch your boobs. Like I want to get at those tits. And I was like, sweet. Like he <laughs> wants my body so bad that like I didn't even have to corrupt them. I just existed. And then he was like breaking his own rules, you know? And I never, I, I will say in our whole relationship, I was never the one to open up a new sexual experience i okay. was never the one to push a boundary it was ah. always him so you you were never like oh come on like i'm so bummed we can't do this right never. now oh my god never. you're so good i am so nice yeah like, yeah i would not be i would not be down <laughs> um what eventually ended the relationship for me um it, before that i had kind of been like i'm sick of this building up the courage to kind of or figuring out what if I really wanted to end this relationship if I wanted to stay with this person he had kind of been annoying me a lot more lately (laughs) and I just wanted to like go be social and be in college and be single and what what was the final straw for me (laughs) was a very similar deja vu moment where 
he sat me down. We were on my bed in my college dorm and my roommate, I like shared a room with this girl and she was uh, super into school. And so she uh, had her big old like noise canceling headphones on and was studying. <laughs> oh my God, she was desk. in the room? She was in the fucking room. Like I remember looking over and being like, okay, good. She has her noise canceling headphones. Like I had known her enough that like when those were on, she's not hearing anything. And so we're sitting on my bed. My <laughs> this is so college. Study. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, again, he takes my hands and he goes, McKenna, I've prayed about this a lot. And I've talked to some of my friends and I've talked to Jesus and uh, you can give me a blowjob now. <gasps> and, like, oh, that's exactly, and that's ex- no joke. That's word for word how he said it. You can give me a blowjob now. My pal Jesus said it's okay. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like off. the same with the tits. It's like, yeah, yeah, boy, you you go get a girl on that dick. Like, that's okay for you. <laughs> Nothing else. And and I learned after this that, and, and uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, we are not experts in the Mormon practices, but a friend of mine who grew up in the church, I was telling her this story and she goes, that's ridiculous because in the church they teach you that oral sex is worse or deemed worse than sex before marriage because there's no reproduction that comes with it it's just for pleasure which was frowned upon more so than having sex before marriage I want to say like, oh, maybe it was a different interpretation that he was taught, but like his parents were teachers in the church. There's no way he didn't know that. Yeah. No, he, he was just a horny boy. <sighs> he just wanted to get his dick sucked and I respect that, but it sucks. <laughs> but it, own he, it. Don't say Jesus yeah, said it's it. okay. Don't, don't say, yeah, don't, put, don't bring Jesus into this. <laughs> Jesus like, is chilling. <laughs> Jesus is like over here. <laughs> Jesus is smoking a J in the backyard. <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck about your dick, okay? <laughs> No, he doesn't give a fuck. Just, like, own it. Just say, I'm horny as fuck. I want you to suck my dick. Yeah. Maybe if he had said it that way, I would have had some more respect for him. (laughs) But I was already moving towards the end of our relationship. In my eyes, I was looking for a way out. I was not attracted to him at this point. And so when he said that, I, like, felt, like, physical disgust. I don't want that. And so I think I, like, called you later that night. And I was, like, crying because, like, you knew him. We were all friends. And I was, like, I think I need to end this. And I told you what he had said and just, like, how uncomfortable I was. And I was just done, you know, having him take the reins on our sexual relationship. And so I broke up with him. I'm super curious what he would have said if he had been asked, like, okay, well, why does Jesus think that it's okay that I suck your dick, but you don't like my pussy? Yeah. Why is that okay? Yeah. Like what's the difference here? Mm -hmm. Hint, it's misogyny. (laughs) (laughs) And we know that Jesus was not a misogynist. No. Jesus was for all the people. I mean, actually, I don't know. I don't know if that's true yeah. at all. I'm just, I just, that's assume. my interpretation of Jesus. <laughs> that's just the vibe I get from like, you know, the photos I've seen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's like, he's like my drug dealer's friend like in the corner looking cool with his long hair. That's the Jesus vibe. That's like the vibe I get from Jesus. But, oh my God. Uh, what a story. I mean, I'm, 
Ugh, it's funny because yeah. like I, I know a lot of this, but like I forget some parts of it. And every single time I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that to you. Like fucking shit. Yeah. I am curious how you distinguish between like his personal responsibility for the issues in your relationship and the cultural responsibility slash the church. I'm a big believer in personal responsibility and you know, I want to acknowledge that he was also really young and he was also indoctrinated into this religion that he didn't really have a choice about. And so I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on the distinction between the two or if you Mm. think there is a way that they can be distinguished at all. It's hard to say what was going on in his head. He was, in my, my view of what was going on with him was he was so conflicted. And just, I mean, like I said, he was fucking horny. We were 18, 19 years old. I'm sure he just wanted to get his dick wet. As as most 19-year-old boys or people want to do at that age. You know, you're you're horny, your hormones are raging, and you just want to, like, fuck something. Yeah. But I think, you know, his parents were very strict. Like, they said, no kissing until you're 18. And I think that presented a lot of issues with him and a lot of unhealthiness because all he wanted to do was find ways around it but he had to have like known that this was not okay within the practices of his religion yeah i don't know i i honestly like i can't even begin to understand like the level of justification and and just like conflict he must have been feeling yeah i mean i feel Um, like this is a very clear example of that saying traumatized people traumatize people it's like still like he obviously had a lot of healing he needed to do and didn't have the tools or the structures or the support to do that and so that lack of healing was pushed onto you yeah as his partner at that time And with that said, what, if anything, do you feel like you've held on to from that relationship? And what have you found to be healing following the relationship? I absolutely have held on to a lot of what happened in that relationship. I was kind of on the fence of talking about this, but I I genuinely do feel comfortable in this space to share this with everybody. Um, Again, I do not wish this person anything bad i hope they are out having a good life but one night i were having a sleepover and i woke up to him under the blanket i was laying on my back and he was under the blanket down by my legs (laughs) it sounds funny to talk about but looking at my pussy with a keychain flashlight under the blanket while I was dead asleep and it woke me up and I was so like paralyzed and shocked and confused that I didn't do anything I just laid there and pretended to be asleep while he pulled my underwear to the side he didn't touch me at that first time he didn't but he was looking at my vagina with a flashlight while I was asleep. And 
I inter like why I thought he was doing it was just like sheer curiosity and unknown and why he felt it was okay to do that to me without my consent. I will never understand. I have never understood. Um, I don't think I'll ever get closure there and I've accepted that. I'm fine with it. Um, and after that it escalated mm -hmm. and every night it would happen i was so paralyzed it was like a fight or flight or freeze and i froze every time I, at the time i didn't call it assault but it was it was assault he assaulted me um i used the term molested a lot mm. but i think like it was just flat out sexual assault to me and I was so afraid, and like I had said, I didn't have a voice. I, I was so afraid to just let him know that I knew. But I think what I took from those experiences into my life today and all my past sexual experiences, um, I felt silenced, and I felt like I would just go into that space where I wouldn't say, I wouldn't talk about what I needed and that's why like having start starting to find my voice in sexual situations has been such a crazy like leap and bound for me because I definitely I freeze in situations that I'm not comfortable and I haven't always voiced what I need and what makes me uncomfortable and I think it started there maybe Mm. Um, just being afraid because it was it was my first love yeah it was this first person I I trusted and I loved and he violated so much of my trust yeah and to this day I don't think he knows I don't mm. think uh maybe now he will <laughs> but I hope so honestly Shit. first of all thank you so much for for sharing that in this space I I'm so sorry that you had to experience that. And as your hetero life partner, I want to <laughs> punch anybody who hurts you. Uh, and oh, I love you. <laughs> I think there's just a lot of shame that's placed on women who freeze in situations like this. Because it's like, oh, you should have said something. Why don't you do something? Yeah. What if he does this to someone else? But you and your body did what it had to do to survive. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It, it's taken a lot of time to come to terms with that. I placed a lot of blame on myself. But I, I can confidently say now that what he did to me was 100% him. And like you said, my body reacted the way I needed to. And I, and I see too, like the ways that, as you mentioned, okay. it probably has affected your, your ability to trust men mm -hmm. throughout your past relationships following that. And, and I think like this conversation in of itself is how you start to move through shit like that. Right. And, mm. and finding relationships where you, can talk about it and work on building back trust is so important and it's like a nonlinear process too i wish For there sure. was a magic wand that we could wave and be like healed but sadly <laughs> no and then i mean there'll be days when you think you've made all these leaps and bounds <laughs> and then, and I then something may happen to you and you revert back to that yeah know, 
younger yeah. self that was just afraid and that's okay that's it's part of the process yeah. but I I will you know to 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 kind of wrap this up um I will say how proud I am of myself talking about that and bringing up those memories of being so afraid to say something and you know start conflict to go from that to scripting out a conversation for me to feel safe at a sex club i just am very proud of myself and i've come a long way and fuck the mormon boy i don't know (laughs) love to see it oh that's such a good way to wrap up and and move into our final part of the pod where we play a little bit Miss play so my assignment of the week that you have inspired me um my invitation for you all beautiful humans listening is to look at your schedule for the week ahead and schedule intentionally some time to treat your body whatever that looks like for you maybe that's working out maybe that's a yoga sesh maybe that's just like laying what I call starfishing on the floor, listening to music, maybe it's taking a walk. But the important part is to do it intentionally. I think especially when it comes to taking care of our bodies, it's just something that we like struggle to throw in there or just casually do when we remember to. And I think approaching it with intention is really, really powerful. So yeah, schedule some time for your body to just be with your body this week. Yeah, I love that. That's a good one. Um, I would say my invitation for this week is to ask for something that you need. Mm. Be completely selfish. Mm. Ask for something that you need. Say, "Mm, no, I'd really like to do this this way. Or, no, I'd really like to go here. You know, um, do something selfish for yourself and, you know, that feels good and feels right. That's my challenge. Ooh, I love that. Oh, thank you. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to go cry now. I Have know. an amazing week, y'all. Very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love you. Drink water. Mm. Nourish yourself. Listen to some good music. Say hello to the sun and the moon. Amen. Masturbate a little bit. <laughs> if, if, you, if that's what you like. <laughs> we love you. <laughs>